welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hooting, back with my co-host, Christian Conway. Uh, the Galaxy defense is back at its finest. Yes, and not to just, you know, give the Galaxy uh excuse, if you will, or like, you know, pat on the back for like, hey, hard work done. Um, the, the West is a very challenging... Uh, battle right now uh, you know one loss put the galaxy in a fifth place and it's against the Seattle Sounders I mean the Sounders have proven to be patient to be um, more put together and and the galaxy honestly even though they lost 3-2 uh, they did not have a bad game I would say that obviously this is Julian Rajo's worst match um, you know the there were three goals that the Galaxy conceded, and Araujo was involved in all three of those situations. And, you know, honestly, they were just really bad mistakes that, you know, a team like the Sounders are going to punish you for. And the Sounders, that's the thing. I was hoping that they would be able to break down a bit because they've been playing at CONCACAF, but, you know, they were at home in Lumen Field, and even though the Galaxy had 64% possession and outshot Seattle, they still could not pull off this match. Yeah, I think this, I, I don't think the Galaxy played badly. I, I, I think as we get into this game, I think all, a lot of the conversation is going to be, the Galaxy didn't play particularly poorly. It was just individual uh, moments of, I don't want to say brain deadness, but a little bit of kind of brain deadness that really doomed the Galaxy in this game. I think, you know, if you look at a lot of moments in the attack and the, in, you know, obviously Efrain and Cabral come close, hitting it off the post and hitting off the bar, it didn't look bad. Like, there's, I think if you look at this game in the context of maybe like the 2018 season or the 2017 season, the framework's there now. Like, it does feel like this is a team that's a lot more complete than it's been in, in years, but... Again, we have to be reminded of our of our team, and it's what is every good team that's played the Galaxy done so well to beat them? Well, as I texted you in our in our chat, and we'll you know kind of talk about our conversations we had after the game. What they've done is they put the Galaxy in positions where they identify a player that one on one they can take a ton of advantage of, and bet that they can win every one of those moments defensively. You saw it with Nick DePew on the second goal. You saw it with, uh, or sorry, the third goal, excuse me. You saw it with Julian Araujo giving away the penalty and, and also his work in the first goal. Like they, 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 they good teams leverage those moments in order, of, uh, in order to succeed. And I think what you saw in this game was Seattle looked at the Galaxy and said, we know they can play team def defense really well, ask Charlotte. But what if we start getting them one-on-one? -on -one? What's gonna happen? And they started giving them one-on-one, -on -one, and we saw what happened. And in that, I, I think that that points to something that is the Galaxy have struggled with since, I'd say, 2017, where the Galaxy just in one-on-one -on -one defensive situations still consistently aren't good enough. I don't think the attack played badly. I, I will keep getting into this match, but it's just it's these moments where smart teams understand that the Galaxy struggle in one-on-one -on -one defense and then leverage those moments for great success. And I think, you know, you saw it with the penalty, you saw it with leaving Arriaga on the third goal completely unmarked. You know, just smart teams understand how to hit the Galaxy hard in those positions. 
Yeah, I mean, on top of what you're saying, the Galaxy have not won in Seattle since 2016, and they actually haven't beaten Seattle since 2019. That's and, a tough place to play. You know, it's a lot of people saw this as a match to measure the Galaxy by. Um, I think it's more, you know what, these were <laughs> tough lessons to take, and you just have to move forward after something like this happens. I mean, Vanny made a good point that, you know, the Galaxy had great chances in creation um you know when they were organized they were a difficult team to break down um so the galaxy you know to to be able to have two goals in in lumen field in a place where i've watched the galaxy get beat 5-0 and when you have you know chapman as as the referee i think for the galaxy to be able to to come on to this match the way that they did i mean alvarez you know 79th minute still still gets a go um him and cabral both were able to get shots off the post i mean they were both relatively quiet um in this match which i don't think it's a bad thing in in that you know the galaxy are getting chances from raheem edwards in this match from revolution in this match costa gets his first goal um i think that there's a lot of positive takeaways um you know to get out of a match like this and in the 69th minute, I mean, Vanny starts making late subs, right? You got Vasquez, you got Grancier, which thankfully are solid guys that you can count on. Vasquez, I wasn't sure because he looked like he kind of pulled a, a calf muscle or something. So I'm glad that he was able to to come on. Um, you know, we I wish we could just see Jovalich more and earlier than the 84th minute. I think that that could make a difference. So... I, I do want to highlight that first goal because I think that's the platonic ideal of what Greg Vanny wants a goal to be, which is that run from Raheem Edwards cutting inside that way to find the outlet pass. That's brilliantly good. And that's what the Galaxy want to be is this team that is more than happy to have their outside backs. We talked a lot about a lot in the uh, in the in the texts that you and I sent each other uh, yesterday and, and throughout the uh, the weekend, which is if Vanny is going to pin his wing backs high. What that creates is angles, right? Like different angles that a defense has to deal with. And using Raheem Edwards cutting across like that, that's an angle that a defense really isn't used to seeing. And then- mm -hmm, That's what I was thinking. Raheem Edwards is is a defense. He's, yeah. he's playing at the back. But we don't you, usually have plays coming out of there. When you create those angles that a defense isn't used to, that that frees up guys like Chicharito, guys like Douglas Costa, guys like you know Cabral, Grancier, whoever is in those positions. The problem with the Galaxy right now, and this is not a bad problem, but it is a problem, is that they don't leverage those moments of angle efficiency well. And that's a weird phrase, and I understand it, but let me kind of unpack it here. Which is that if you're going to have your wingbacks pin that high with Julian Araujo and now Raheem Edwards, and we will get to Araujo's performance in this game at some point. What your job, basically what soccer is all about is triangles, right? It's all about forming certain triangles where defenses can't read the the passing lanes that you're trying to establish. When you have a guy like Raheem Edwards cutting into space through the middle that well, well, that's a triangle that a lot of center backs have never seen before. And all of a sudden it's, okay, I know that Chicharito is great on the half turn, but I have to watch this guy making a run and I don't know where this ball is going. And I think that's what the Galaxy are trying to leverage when they pull Araujo and Raheem Edwards that high, which is, I think... They're just trying to create these angles and these moments so much more effectively than they did last year. The problem is, I think the Galaxy just don't, I don't think they move the ball quick enough in order to kind of offset those moments where they have a defense that's completely strung out. 
And I, and, and I talked about it in the text that I sent to you, which is like, there's two ways you can pull a defense apart, right? There's verticality and horizontal you know, play. A lot of teams nowadays, Liverpool, Manchester City, uh, all the great club, Bayern Munich, they rely on verticality, which is how quickly can, and the New York Red Bulls are a prime example of this. How quickly can we turn the ball on a turnover into an opportunity in your attacking third, or in, in our attack, or in the attacking third, right? It's all about how quickly can we move the ball vertically in order to get there. Then you talk about teams like Barcelona, which is kind of the sense that if we have 80% possession, A, that's defensively smart, but B, all we're going to do is just move the ball left to right and pull you open and then hit that one moment where a center back misses a mark or an outside back's a little bit pulled far and you know, you've got someone slipping in on the, on the off shoulder of the center back. I think the problem with the Galaxy is I can understand the verticality. They, they, they kind of do a hybrid of this, which is the Galaxy this year are very good about knowing when to go vertical or knowing when to go horizontal. They've been very good about it. The problem is I don't think they move the ball quick enough in order to leverage those moments of success. Because if you're pulling the wingbacks into the attack, then what you're trying to do is create those uh, those pull-aparts, you know, like the, 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 the gap space. And Chicharito is so good at hitting that gap space. I've always said this long, long term, but I think in this game against Seattle, this is this highlights a problem that I think existed last year and existed in 2020, which is that the Galaxy just aren't good enough at reading the play and hitting the space. They created a ton of chances against Seattle. I think they probably deserve three goals on the day. I, I don't think I'm wrong in that. But it's those it's those like those little moments where you know Victor Vasquez sees a pass and he doesn't have the players around him to move the pass fast enough, or it's Efron Alvarez picks up his head and runs at defenders. I thought he was great in this game, but just doesn't move the ball fast enough. And it's it's those moments of when you understand that you have a, de- a defense unleveraged, how do you hit those moments when you've got Chicharito who's off the off shoulder of a center back? You've, you've got to be able to, to, to move it. And it's, I don't think they're there just yet. Yeah, um, like I said, you know, this is definitely a match to to learn from i mean your who your opponent is matters i agree with everything that you're saying as far as what the galaxy need to do that this that this is um a good assessment test if you will i think i said that in the in the text you know the teacher in me is coming out now but it's a good assessment to put the galaxy against say hey what do what do they need to work on what do they need to improve and um you know, this is their first loss. They only faced the Sounders twice this year in the regular season. Um, you know, I think if the Galaxy just get their control and their confidence together, um, I think that this this does have a different turnout. To be honest, I, I felt like, yes, the Galaxy, as much as they could have with as many chances, I mean, just Costa himself created three chances that they had the potential to win. However, I didn't see this match being more than a draw just because the galaxy were getting sloppy and needed halftime they were getting fatigued um you know they had scored early which you know if the galaxy can maintain a shutout you know i think there's statistically like only three two or three games where they they scored early and got a shutout and then were able to to get the win but like that's not going to happen against the sounders that's just not no because i mean you you look at that sounders team and the chance creation they can leverage through Freddie montero and and jordan morris and and really everyone i mean it, it's a difficult team to play um i think another kind of concerning problem i saw was seattle was very good about killing 
all this distribution that Ryan Revolution and Marky Delgado were so good about doing in Charlotte and against NYCFC, they basically parked a defensive midfielder on them and said, pass through me. And they just couldn't really figure that out. And I think the Galaxy really struggle when you park that district or you, uh, you, the opponent parks a defensive midfielder on that distributor. I think that's the problem that the Galaxy really do struggle with a lot too, which is like, they don't really know how to get it out of the midfield at that point. Um, the other issue I saw mm-hmm. was Kevin Cabral. I mean, we'll get to Julian Araujo. Look, we see him all the time, but no, yeah, go ahead. We'll Cabral, get to Julian simulation Araujo. yellow card. Good lord, which he earned. Um, we'll get to Cabral and Oh we'll no, get- no, no, he earned it. It was. I was like, are you serious? Like, don't throw away a card like that, bro. Like, what are you doing? You know. We'll get to Julian Araujo in a bit, but but there's one other thing I want to highlight, at least in the uh, the attacking uh, sense of things. The Galaxy. If you look at a lot of the position or the three positional maps we've seen this year, they like having Chicharito check into a little bit deeper into like zone 14, zone 15, and then have what was Alvarez on the day, but has been Victor Vasquez sit right next to him and then have Costa kind of tuck inside. And you have this like triumvirate of attacking midfielders that can then distribute and ping balls out to the wing backs or to whoever. I feel that the Galaxy get cowed into being a little too central too often. And I think what happens, and theoretically how this problem gets fixed is, okay, well, if you're going to push these three guys, you know, basically, you know, Groucho, Marks, Gavis, and Costello, whatever, in the clown car together, <laughs> well, their job is then to ping the ball wide to Cabral, and then Cabral splits the defense, and all of a sudden you've got these three guys running at this defense that doesn't know where to look. The problem is it's Kevin Cabral they're passing to. <laughs> He's not been good this season, and that's a problem. And it, I think Kevin Cabral is one of those guys where I think he needs to score a couple of goals or get a couple of assists. He just needs to see the ball in the back of the net, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I've said that about Chicharito. I've said that about a couple of players in the Galaxy, but I, I, I firmly believe that Kevin Cabral is that type of player where it's just he needs to feel the ball come off his foot sink into the back of the net and all of a sudden everything's going to be okay and there's you know uh, there's oh, sorry go ahead players like that throughout the world and had he scored in seattle i think we would be talking about a very different kevin cabral in that last 20 30 minutes the problem yeah that's what is... i was just gonna add sorry was just that yeah that, that he was that he had hit the post i mean if that had gone in like you said i think it i think it would have boosted his confidence but go ahead yeah the problem is he's not getting those chances and it's what I, th- what I think Kevin Cabral struggles with, and he's a young player, uh, we know that. Um, they've signed him for five years, so they're invested. But I think he, I don't think he understands that a lot of what he does has to be more than just on the score sheet. And, and we, talk, we talk a lot about on this podcast about, and I, I, I bang this drum all the time, Certain players will never score a ton of goals. They'll never be fashionable in that sense. But the work rate they put in is so much, like, so much more important to the team. You know, and I point to Grunsier. Grunsier is one of those players where, let's be honest, I mean, he's going to probably do, what, eight, three a year kind of thing. But his work rate, his industry, his, you know, his ability to see the pass before the pass that will never get mentioned in a stat sheet makes the Galaxy so much better. And I don't think Cabral understands that it doesn't necessarily matter what's on the stat sheet. 
it's got to be the stuff that doesn't ever get there that he's got to really focus on. Yeah, I mean, soccer is a psychological game. I mean, right now, anyway, you, uh, to me, you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, bench him yet. You shouldn't, you know, he. Sh- I don't want him starting, is what I'm trying to say. But I think right now, you have to keep giving him those chances. Um, well, I, I know. People, you know, fans, I can hear people screaming right now. It's like, how many chances is he going to get? Look, if we're going to have this guy for five years, you have to. Also, I mean, the, the amount of money you've invested in him, he has to start. It, it's just, mm-hmm. unf- it's mm-hmm. unfortunate. I, I think it can come good. I really do. I see, I, I, I tweeted this out and I'll, I'll kind of repeat it here in case you didn't see it, but it was like, Kevin Cabral frustrates me because I watch him and I'm like, I see moments where I'm like, this is the player you can be. You just mm-hmm. don't choose to be it for 90 minutes. And if you chose to be it for 90 minutes, then you'd be a miles better player than you are right now. And it's, I think that's, that's frustrating. But again, he's a young kid. Like, I wasn't, you know, making smart decisions when I was 23 or however old he is. Like, you know, like, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, we see what you can be. You don't choose that every point of the game. And that's really frustrating. You know, and then... We, I've kind of joked on here, and I think other people have mentioned it on Twitter, like, well, let's just switch him with his twin. But the thing is, I don't know if you guys are watching G2, his twin messed it up and got, uh, you know, got a red out of Earth. the match. So Earned his red card. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, there, you know, there's, um, like you said, my point is, these guys are young, they're they're still developing and like you said they've invested in him like this is this is what we have to work with and like you said the potential is there and if anything this is the time to make these mistakes this is the place unfortunately you know in lumen field that you're gonna get really tested on um but i still think like you said at the end of the day it it wasn't that bad no and and i think i you know you look at this game and you know, especially in the, the the last, I'd say, 20 minutes, the Galaxy were in such excellent ascendancy that, you know, I was really convinced they were going to find the third goal. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, again, it's, it's this constant conversation we have over the past four years where it's like, it's just these individual moments where the Galaxy look good and then... Julian Araujo keeps someone on side. Julian Araujo gives a stupid penalty away, which, by the way, I'm going to be honest, I don't know what happened with Julian Araujo in the offseason, but these past three games, oh my God, it's been bad. Like, So he's not leaving us for the summer? I don't think so. I, I, I can't see a European team that looks at these first three games and then looks at kind of the body of work so far and says, this is a guy that's ready for Europe. And he will get there. I have no doubt in my mm-hmm. mind he will. But he... It's, it's this frustration where it's like, Julian Rajo, again, the, the book on Julian Rajo is you can bait him into stupid moments. And he's got to know Freddie Montero, who's been in this league for how long? Like 10, 15 years? Going away from goal, striker by nature, the minute he feels contact, he's going down. You've got to know that. You know, like. The, I mean, honestly, what messed it up for me from what I saw was that Sega had already stopped Montero's progress. Why did he jump on him? Like, why did he jump on Montero? No, shield him out. Just literally don't touch him. Like, you know, because any striker worth their salt in the box in that moment is going to be like, cool, someone touched me. I'm going down. You know, (laughs) right. I have to make the ref make a decision. Perfect. Ref makes a decision. Penalty. He's I, I like Julian because I understand what he can be. 
Okay, so we lost audio for a second there. I apologize. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think with, with Julian, the problem is the book's out on him, right? Like the book is out on Julian, which is you can bait him into stupid shit. And it's like, he's he's got to get that out of his game if he wants to go tear up, right? Like he's he's got to do that. And I think it's, it's I hope he does because I, I really want to see him succeed, but he's got to be smarter. And it just, it, it, every single moment in this game defensively, yeah, woof, you know, kind of like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the 17th minute, Jordan Morris has credited the goal, but honestly, I thought it was an own goal. It, it is, it, it as far came as I'm off concerned. Of, yeah, it came off Depuy, and then it, it, Araujo's the one that propelled the ball in. So yeah. that's where that's frustrating. Well, um, it was it was the great tweet from Matt uh, Matt Doyle, who again I, I think is one of the greatest soccer mites in this country, which was the uh, the real filter hat trick own goal, keep someone on side for a goal, give away a penalty. <laughs> I mean, that was just the whole goal. I was like surprised that that even counted. I mean, Morris is on the floor, and he like kind of scores. Lying down, I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is the most MLSy thing I've ever seen. Didn't handle um, it. So I mean, it was fine. Right, and then right before that, actually, Araujo had had a great pass to Alvarez, but it just didn't connect. Yeah, um, it's this frustration. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened in those Mexico camps where he kind of. I, I understand there's some people that are like, oh, well, he picked Mexico, therefore he's bad, and the Mexico camp is. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can understand there's been a little, well, there's been a little bit of malaise. No, I'm laughing because like salt much as like a U.S., you know, men's family. Yeah, but there's been a lot, there's been a, a bit of malaise around the Mexican national team camp, so I can understand why people jump to that conclusion. But he just hasn't looked the same player. I mean, he, I don't know what what's going on here, but I, and I, and I hope he figures it out because I, 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 I like him so much. Um, we need him to receive, to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I remember texting you during the game, and I was like, Kelvin Leardam just won the starting job. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I love Julian, but... I mean, that's fine. You, 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 oh, well, I shouldn't say that. You can't expect this every week. Um, I, I just I, meant to Leardam's credit, because of what he did for the Sounders. Like, I, he, can, he can hold that, Yeah, no, he's, a, he's a phenomenal player. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I mean, good Lord... He again. You're going to have bad days in the office. Nick DePew sure. also had a bad day in the office. We've talked about this multiple times. People just have bad days in the office. Like you and I have both had it in our respective jobs. Like it does happen. Mm-hmm. But Julian Araujo has to understand that a lot of the mistakes he made are not mistakes that are. Hey, I just kind of didn't have it on the day. There was a lot of stuff there where I was sitting there being like. You've got to know that if you have an attacker in the box moving away from goal, why are you challenging like that? Like that, that the, the, those questions. Yeah, I'm starting to kind of get a little so, concerned. Yeah, those four, those first two, definitely big mistakes. Um, the the last Sounders goal in the 72nd minute. You know, the defense just has to be better on those set pieces. Um, you've got two Roldan brothers that are able to. Like you said, Ariaga just wasn't marked. Um, and, and that's just a big thing for the Galaxy. You got to mark your guys on free kicks. And, you know, I mean, ironically, the Galaxy had scored also on, on a set piece. So it's just these set pieces are so key. Well, well, according to the Galaxy, made a fair point that I agree with. That is, 
the Galaxy just have really struggled on set-piece defense this year. I mean, they really have. And I think, you know, Ariaga is not a short guy. You know, like, you got to know where he is at any given minute because we know he's a set-piece uh, set threat. Um, I, I just think, you know, this is – it's these moments, right? And, and obviously, us comparing ourselves to Seattle, we're not in the same – zip code at this point in time right like seattle is so much more complete ahead of uh, ahead of the galaxy and rebuild in uh and even in the Concacaf. yeah i mean right. it, it, seattle's a more complete club and so like the galaxy yes and we talked a lot about how this was a measuring stick game but i think you know they didn't play poorly i thought they played very well i thought you know mm-hmm. they they probably deserved a third goal at least in the last 10 minutes, considering the way they attack Seattle. But it's it, it, good teams get this job done, right? Like good teams go down, you know, and keep coming back and knowing how good they are. And you could see it in the frustration in Chicharito and Jovalich and everyone that, you know, they felt like they needed. And Vanny was, I mean, angry about this. But again, we're not there yet. And I emphasize the word yet. I, I, I do think this Galaxy team is in a good place. However, there are going to be games like this over the next couple of months because just they're not done yet. Yeah, so as we preview uh, the upcoming match that the Galaxy hosts um, Orlando, it's another early game. It's like 12.30 in the afternoon. Um, and... You know, it's funny in MLS because you look at previous match results and they don't help predictions. And again, we don't do predictions on this show, but, um, you know, the opponents matter. So Orlando drew against Chicago and then they lost to Cincinnati, which I was like, how did that happen? You know, not to shit all over Cincinnati, um, even though, you know, as an expansion team, they're not where people thought they'd be. But... You know, when I was re-watching the, the highlights and the match recap for that game, I was just like, what happened with Orlando there? And honestly, their keeper, Can, he made a lot of saves. He was in the shadow um, of Guzman at uh, Atlanta. He's 31 years old, but he has that experience. And to me, you know, that's going to be the biggest challenge um, for the Galaxy because the Galaxy have possession. They have the shots. It's getting that back of the net. Um, so You know, it seems like a winnable game for the Galaxy at home. Yeah, and I think any team that makes Cincinnati look decently good, we have to be concerned about. But I I don't think Orlando was bad in this game, kind of watching things back. I mean, they had 70% possession, 18 shots, six on goal. As you said, Can was brilliant in, in, in net, and, and their XG numbers kind of support that Orlando was the better team. Uh, you know, what I would say is, Orlando is a team that, you know, they have a lot of very good players, and and, and Orlando is going to be a very difficult kind of test. But I think the Galaxy, if they can play like they did against Seattle in that those first fifteen minutes, right? Like the Galaxy probably should have had two in the first fifteen minutes against Seattle. You know, if they can do that over not even ninety, maybe thirty minutes. They're they're gonna be okay, and I think um, I just I just look at what Orlando has to offer on the attack. I mean, you know, obviously Pato is a fantastic goal scorer. We know that to be to be true, but you know, 
Pereira is, is a good midfielder, but you know Janssen is get outable. You know Moutinho, I don't think has always been the best outside back. Um, and then you know Kara in front of net, I, I don't think he's that good. I just think there's a lot about this Orlando side where I, I sit there and I'm like, I, I mean they're good. They'll make the playoffs. They should, but the Galaxy if as presently constituted, should be able to handle this game with relative ease, especially after a Seattle game where they played probably the presumptive MLS Cup favorites and handled it well. And I think... Yeah, I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, here. I I think Douglas Costa is starting to get get hot. I think Cabral understands that this has to be a big game for him. Um, I just just look at everything and I'm like, "Eh, you know what? I I think the Galaxy have this pretty comfortably. Um, You know, traveling to... You know, from Orlando to LA is difficult. I just, I do look at this game in the way that Orlando played since I just feel good about the Galaxy in this game. Yeah, I was just going to say that it, it, I think just fatigue and the fitness is going to be something that will come into play. Um, you know, the Galaxy obviously have the advantage at home. Um, I mean, the weather right now for us is pretty warm, but we don't have that humidity. You can't really say that. So, like, so the other the thing... Same, you're the, right. I yeah. will add about this game that I, I kind of just quickly came up with, and I apologize for a quick brain strike moment. Cincinnati, what they were so good about doing against Orlando in that game was completely killing them on transition moments. What has this Galaxy team been built around for the past three games? Killing teams on transition moments. The problem with Cincinnati, at least at the very least, was they only scored two goals because they didn't have, you know, they had like Lucho Acosta. The Galaxy have Chicharito and Douglas Costa. I think I'm going to take the Galaxy on that one in terms of better players because Douglas Costa looking to feast. And I thought he was fantastic against Seattle. And I thought he was fantastic against Charlotte, too, actually, funnily enough. Chicharito, he wants the golden boot, and I think we can all sense it. That Orlando defense, they got out to see a lot against Cincinnati. I, I, I really like the Galaxy attack in this situation. Yeah, all the Galaxy have to do is... Uh just get it behind the net <laughs> you know um it's mls so i don't say you know double down or or lock the galaxy on this game um but you know that said uh i i just want to see the galaxy have all of the confidence and control and then the game is the you know the three points is theirs and they really do need these three points especially how the other depending how the other matches are going to keep turning out in the west yeah, I, I, I feel if you're the Galaxy right now, you have to feel... with this. It's this concept that exists in college basketball, which I oddly don't like, but I'll say it here, which is the concept of a good loss, right? Where, you know, let's say you're like a 16 seed and you lose to a 5 seed. Well, like, at least it was a decent loss because you lost to a better team. The game against Seattle, looking at the 90 minutes, the Galaxy have to feel that that was a, a good loss. And I... Again, I I'm, I can feel my skin crawling even saying that statement. Um, but the Galaxy have to look at that game that they put in Seattle and just be like, hey, we can coach a lot of that out of this team. You know, like set-piece defense, that's coachable. Julian Araujo having a rough day at the office, that's coachable. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of things in this where I'm sitting there being like, okay, we can, we can fix this. It's all good. It's just got to be a little bit, you know, it's got to be 5% better. And I think if they can do that against Orlando, they'll, they will not have a problem with Orlando. Yeah, and in and in Vanny's hands, like you said, like this is to me, this is the coach that that they're going to be able to grow under. Um, you know, I for one did not have 
RSL winning <laughs> um, this past game. So, that you know, there's just other... weird. <laughs> I know, in the snow of all things. But, you know, it was just... Really quick, on the RSL uh, Revs game, seeing RSL uh-huh. play in the snow in the white jerseys was actually kind of cool. No, I mean, look, that game was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm not even a fan of, obviously, either team. But, you know, I enjoy watching MLS and... You know, I just didn't have RSL winning, and and so what I mean by that is just you know those are those are how the points are gonna you know tally up, and it might as well be this way early on, right? Like you said, like you know just get some tequila, wash the bad taste out of your mouth from the um, Seattle match, and you know again, these are games in which the Galaxy need to be challenged and assessed on. Yeah, I I, I think. They'll have at least a lot of joy on the attacking third uh, against Orlando, and I, th- I think if they can, you know, get a couple of guys firing, then you know. But but look at the first part of the season, right? We looked at these first three games and we said, defending MLS Cup champions, Seattle, who are presumptive MLS Cup champions, and Charlotte at their home in their first home game. What would you would have like? What what reasonably would have been you know your expectation for points? I would have said maybe four. And they got six out of it. You know, this isn't like, I, I think I saw a lot of people that were talking like it was the end of the world that they lost to Seattle. And I'm like, well, well, no, it, they're presumptive MLS Cup champions. Like, you know, we're not there yet, but they've got six points out of a very rough nine point stretch. They've got an Orlando team that's reeling from losing to Cincinnati. I feel good about the way we've started the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a good preseason and... Again, the Galaxy, you know, these, this is the way they're going to get better. I, I know it sounds kind of like where you want your team to be ready and have all the pieces early in the match, but, you know, look at how far the Galaxy have come. And, you know what, have fun on Saturday for me because I'm not going to be able to be there. I'm stuck in an online conference on a Saturday thanks to LUSD. And then... Um, I will not be there either. I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> Oh man! I'm running my five k. Well, a few people I know, a few people I know um, are not going. We'll have you know. Good luck on your five k. And um, in the evening, ACFC and San Diego FC are actually facing each other um, at Let's Fullerton go. College. But I'm not able to go to that because they have less seats than they have season ticket holders. So not just that. Um, yeah, it's just trying to finish a conference and then get down to Fullerton in the I'm, evening. That's not happening for me. I'm excited about that game because I I, I think that is going to be the, the Angel City FC San Diego Wave rivalry is going to be fascinating and amazing oh, and I call intense. Them Angel, I call them uh, San Diego FC, my bad, the Wave. Yeah, the Wave. Um, um, and also yeah, we get to finally see. Yeah, Jamie and I. About. Jamie and I will have our first episode of Surf Break. If you want to cover, if you want to follow us for your unofficially, your unofficial San Diego Wave podcast, but officially your favorite, that episode will be coming up probably on Wednesday, I think. Um, so come and join the boogie, um, and come and join this boogie. And do, <laughs> yeah, and do keep it here because uh, Christian and I know that Challenge Cup is coming, and we'll definitely be talking uh, U.S. Women's National Team as well. Yes, uh, as always, please give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us find awesome people like you. And we always want to have more awesome people. So please uh, like and subscribe and leave nice comments. And yeah. (laughs) Thank you. See you here next week. See you soon.